Good evening, brothers and sisters. On this vigil, we celebrate the solemnity of all the saints, and we remember not only those saints that are known to us, the, the Francis and Claire's and Benedict's and all of the others, right? Hundreds of them throughout the church, but we honor all the souls in heaven. So all of the saints, so even the ones we don't know about. Family members, friends who've gone on and died before us and by God's grace have either gotten through purgatory or have entered their heavenly glory, they are now saints. And they are at this time sharing in what we know as the beatific vision. The beatific vision is the ability the saints have to see the face of God. That's what you heard in our first reading from the book of Revelation. Remember John the beloved disciple who wrote this book, he received this vision and he wrote down what he saw and what he heard. And this was a true vision of heaven, but as with all heavenly things, he could only put it in figurative language, so to speak. So what do the saints do in heaven? And it doesn't sound very exciting when we think about it. They look on God's face, singing his praises. Yay! Aren't you all just excited to suffer your crosses patiently so you can get to heaven sooner? No, so what, why is this beatific vision such a desirable thing? Why do the greater saints suffer so much in order to obtain it? You see, they, they understand what this means, but we have a hard time, right? So one of the things you have to understand about human nature as God designed it is this. We were designed to seek after those things which are good. That may seem fairly obvious to some of you, but this is an important point. It is God's design in every person he created, even the angels, even the demons, to seek after the good, whatever the good may be. Even when Satan rebelled against God and said, I'd rather reign in hell than serve in heaven, he was actually choosing the good. He was just choosing the wrong one. He was choosing himself over God. Well, wasn't he created good? Shouldn't he have loved himself? Well, of course he should. All of us should. God made us good. We should love ourselves. But we should not love ourselves more than God because God is gooder. I know that's not a word, but it's helpful for the analogy. God is, God's goodness is so far beyond our goodness that he has to be loved first. We can love ourselves and others second. If you don't love God first, then you can't have God because he's the first good. He's the greatest of all goods. So even when we sin as human beings, we are choosing goods, just like Satan. I'm choosing in that moment what I think is the good for me. If I eat too much chocolate cake, what is the good? I'm not seeking the good of a stomach ache or diabetes. I'm seeking the good of the flavor of the food, right? It's pleasing to me. It makes me feel better. It releases endorphins. Those are all good things. The problem is, it, they're not as good as my physical health. That's why it's sinful. So I'm seeking a good in the wrong way, in the wrong order. But the saints have learned to seek all goods in the right order and God above all others. Which is why when they die and go to heaven, they get to look at the goodest thing ever for eternity. They get to bask in the glory of the best and most possible desire of their hearts. So to try to begin to understand what this is like, I want you to think for just a moment of some, one or something that you really love in this world. And it could be a hobby you like to do, books you like, you like to read, movies, toys, cars, people, 
family, friends, whatever, it doesn't matter. Think of that, that thing that you love so much that brings you so much happiness, either to participate in an activity, right, or even just to look upon the thing that you gaze. Even the possessions we own are goods because it's good to own stuff. That's my thing. That's good for me. There's a lot of possessions we have that have no practical purpose whatsoever. Think of like paintings. You hang a painting or a picture or some type of art in your home. It doesn't keep up the walls. It doesn't let more light in. It has no practical purpose. So why do we do it? Why do all human beings love art? Because it's good. It's beautiful. And beauty is its own good. It doesn't have to have a practical purpose. So when you look upon something that is truly beautiful, it brings you joy because of its goodness. And when you can own that thing that brings you joy that is beautiful, you're even happier. That's my painting. Imagine owning the most beautiful thing ever. That's God. The saints in heaven own God, not because they bought him, well, in a sense, through their suffering, but because he gave himself to them. He loves them so much, he gives himself to them. And there's nothing more good, there's no one more beautiful than he. And so merely to gaze upon him is a joy for the saints. It's so joyful, they can't help but praise him. They can't help but praise him. And even praising him is a joy. Because there's nothing but joy and happiness in heaven. Now again, we don't always understand this. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard what God has prepared for those who love him. But we have to begin to think about it. Just from the standpoint of our own pursuits of happiness and joy and beauty and goodness. We were designed by God to seek these things out so that in seeking them, we might find him who is the greatest of all goods. The saints did. That's why they're in heaven, sharing in this beautiful good. And it's our job, too, to imitate their example and to follow them, to receive that same reward. That's why the church always gives us the Beatitudes in regards to our feast day today. The Beatitudes are the prerequisite for sainthood. It's kind of the checklist. If you want to be a saint in this life and or in the next, this is what you need to strive for. When our Lord says, blessed are these people who are poor in spirit, who mourn, who are meek, who hunger and thirst for righteousness, who are merciful, who are pure of heart, who are peacemakers, and who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness. When he says that these men and women are blessed, he's saying that they are given my glory. They get to see my face and have nothing but peace and joy forever and eternity. But when we look more deeply into these prerequisites, there's a lot of suffering required of the saints. Because it's not just anyone who mourns, like, you know, I was sad the other day, dog died. Yeah. No, that, that's not going to get you into heaven. You're not going to be blessed. What is the sorrow or the grief 
that our Lord is referring to. It's the same sorrow and grief that fills his heart. Our Lord grieves over sin, over my sin, over your sin, the sin of the world. Do I grieve over sin? And when he says poor in spirit, he's obviously not speaking of financial poverty. You may be financially poor, but poverty in spirit means nothing owns you in your soul. You're not attached to anything in this world. You're attached to God alone. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for justice, for right order, those who long for this, Fairly self-explanatory. But to follow up, he also says, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. It's not enough just to seek justice in right order. You must also seek mercy. You can't simply choose one of these beatitudes and say, Yeah, I'll just do that one, but the rest of them, eh, eh, it's not exactly my cup of tea. Our Lord is describing himself in the beatitudes. He is telling us who he is, how he thinks how he acts. He's saying, you want to be blessed like me. You want to be united with me in holiness in this life and in the next. This is what you're supposed to do. And it will take the rest of our lives to conform to these virtues. But it's worth the time, however long it takes us. Not only do we have this great cloud of witnesses who are up in heaven interceding for us day and night. Never ceasing, one, their glory and praise for God, and two, their prayers and intercession for us. But it's also beautiful that we remember the holy example that so many of them left us. You know that old bracelet or thing that people wear, what would Jesus do? You could add any saint that you know and love. What would St. Francis do? What would Therese of Lisieux do? Our love for the saints and their love for Christ and Christ's love for the Father, that is our connection, that is our channel to holiness. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.